If you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. We just have a couple weeks left. I'm excited to be finishing this. And I also, today especially, this struck me this morning. I, I, I You know, I first came up here to this part of the, the, the state, to Bellingham. It's another man who was starting a church, and I got to be good friends with him. And yesterday his wife died of stomach cancer. And life is so fast. It is so fast. You breathe and, and, and we live and, and we have these lives that we're a part of. And then like that, they go by. I still, if I don't look in the mirror, I think I'm 25. Yeah, I get disabused of that pretty fast. <laughs> That's why I'm really glad that we're in this, in this text. I'm really glad that we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Because Jesus, this, even what we're hitting today, fruit and works... They are central to how you think about how your life's going and what it's about. And if you think wrongly about that, your, your whole life gets twisted up. So my heart for you today is you would hear Jesus as he speaks. And, and as he has, right, he's come up to the place of Moses, our greater than Moses would ever be. And he has given us, in this sermon, a take on what the law is. The, the precious law of God. And I've used different illustrations along the way. Today I'm talking about one of those really cool things that you do where you squeeze lemons. Have you ever seen of those? You take a little half a lemon, you stick it in this masher, and you mash it together, and it puts the juice out. The law's like that, says Jesus. It's, it's, it's the crusher, you know, and you're the lemon. And what comes out of you when the law crushes you? <laughs> it's not pretty. It's not sweet pleasant juice that the law brings out it's sin that's what it highlights and he's been through that right it's not just don't murder but it's don't even get angry it's not just just don't avoid adultery like you can do that but 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 don't even look at someone's lust don't let your left hand know your right remember we've been all through those things and he's been all the way through and so we receive this amazing thing called forgiveness because we're not who we ought to be. We're not who the law, and Jesus has presented that, right? The big deal is forgiveness. That's our prayer, oh Lord, forgive us. And he's gonna provide it, his body and blood on the cross. It's, it's how we live. Amazing paradigm, amazing truth. It's, it's the gospel. Here's the thing. We take that truth. I don't think anyone in this room with me today would say it's not about grace it's not about the gospel that's oh no it's about the gospel but you know what we do we take the wonder of forgiveness and the wonder of the gospel and we don't change our paradigm boy there's that 50 cent word what's a paradigm swanson that's a frame our way of living life it doesn't even check. We go, oh, yeah, yeah, forgiveness is awesome. And then I bring that in to the same path that I've always been on. I'm going to use that newfound forgiveness. I'm going to use Jesus to get to where I think God wants me to go. Stronger, better me. In fact, I'll come to church and I'll hear about it. I'll talk about the ways in which I can improve. Because of, because of the cross, it's going to do something. And I think God, that's the paradigm of the world, right? We looked at that last week. Every single religion. As we talked about the narrow gate and the wide gate, and we're tempted to say that the wide gate is immorality and loose living, and the narrow gate is the strong discipline of the Christian life. 
baloney. If I could use a stronger word, I would. It's simply not the truth. That's not what Jesus was presenting. But that is the world. And I would laugh. I would laugh at the world, except, except it's not funny. And, and it's what you hear in Christianity all the time. What are people thinking? Haven't you? Let me quote some people for you. Here's a, a, a pastor who says, Real Christianity is marked by a wholehearted, unflinching devotion to Jesus. How you doing? What a heartbreak it would be to live an almost Christian life and then almost get into heaven. That makes me feel good. A Christian is one who lives in absolute submission to God. You hear that? Absolute submission to God. Not on your very best day. I have a, a, a famous pastor, seminary professor. I, I, these are the questions. Do you thirst for God? Are you daily resisting temptation? Are you quickly forgiving? Are you more like Christ daily? Are you more loving than you used to be? Are you governed by God's word? Is your prayer life central? If you don't have all of these in increasing amounts, then you are not saved, you're not going to heaven, you're going to hell. That's not me talking. That's coming from pulpits in our land. You gotta know, I may not be here next week, you gotta know, that's not the paradigm. That's wrong. Because they point at this passage we're looking at today. Entering the narrow gate, and then bearing good fruit, and then doing good works. So, so you need to look at this with a critical eye this morning and decide for yourself, is it true, this gospel? Oh, it's a big deal. I'm glad you're here. What is the ground of your relationship with this God? How will you then live? Welcome to fruit and works. That's where we're at. Okay, we're going to start with fruit. Bearing fruit. And this is chapter 7, verse 15. We're almost done. We're going to finish this whole sermon that Jesus gave next week. Here it is. Beware of false prophets, Jesus says, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And this is Jesus talking, so he's giving this really strong warning, right? Boy, steer clear of false teachers. When I say that, what do you think? I know what I'm tempted to think. Late night Christian TV. Those guys, right? They're saying, give money and you will heal your grandma. I'm tempted to think of charlatans, but that's not what Jesus is talking about. Not just because they didn't have TV then. He has a specific thing in mind, doesn't he? The whole sermon's about what God demands and our inability to meet it. You have to be perfect as God is perfect. That's what he said in this sermon Jesus has. And that highlights our need for grace. So these religious leaders are in Jesus' crosshairs because they're telling people it's about what you do. Right? That, that's what he's aimed at. Right? You wanna, they look good. They're in sheep's clothing. That's what Jesus says. You know, do these things if you want to be loved by God. And often we think that. 
We assume true teaching is the kind of teaching that pushes me to do more good. Oh, I'm so glad the pastor kicked my butt this morning. You go out thinking, I'm going to be a better dad than I ever was before. You you think that's what Jesus is after? These guys tell you things like try harder for God, sacrifice more for God, that this is what identifies as true teaching. And so you go out of church saying, whoa, you know, I'm, I'm really exhorted to take steps towards being a better me, a better parent, a better person, more perfect. And that becomes the fruit you see, right? Jesus says, people saying you need to get better and God's way is your improvement through effort. What's the fruit of that? That's where Jesus starts. He's like, hey, look at the guys that are saying this. Look at the people. They're the Pharisees. Look at them. What's the fruit of that? You can see it. Most people think that championing ethics, preaching obedience, makes us more ethical and obedient. There are a lot of books about it. There are a lot of sermons about it. That if I tell you, I say, you know what? You need to be better, and I give you the law, and you need to be better, that that's going to make you better. What's the problem? Look at the fruit. Because the same person is going to buy a book next year about the same thing from a different author, part four, to try again. Because they're no better next year than they were this year. The fruit of it's fakery. It doesn't work. The command doesn't convey the power to do it. It just gives you the knowledge that you don't. That's the law. That's what Jesus says the law is. Let me give you the law. You shouldn't ever even have a thought of evil in your heart, ever. Then the dude cuts me off on the freeway. I tailgate him for half a mile. Yeah, I'm that guy. There I am, and it's terrible, and I ought never to have done that. What do I need? I need to do better. No, you need forgiveness forgiveness, right? But that's not these teachers. They're not, they're not saying that. They're t- telling people to change doesn't change them. You can evaluate it. So you can look, run from those people, Jesus says. Ironically, the fruit of do more and try harder teaching is it doesn't actually make people do more or try harder, except to try harder to what? Deceive. Act. Do stuff that's nowhere near their heart. Put on a mask. I'm doing great. Look at the mask. Don't look at me. Right, that, that's the whole point. That, that's what you're avoiding. That's what these false teachers are doing. And the, the fruit of these teachers you can recognize, says Jesus, which I would say is hypocrisy. Right? Despair if they're failing. Arrogance if they're not. Success-oriented because that's the fruit that matters. If you do this pathway, this paradigm, so, so you need to understand that what the context is here, Jesus is aimed directly at people who are teaching you that your acceptance and, and, and your assurance, that's your confidence that like God's really got you, that all of that's based on you. Right? Maybe Jesus got you in the door, but now the pathway, I mean, it's on you. And, and, and so that's what you have to see, right? It, is Jesus actually affirming that? No, he's ripping it down. This is about false teachers. But there's a statement here about all of us too. It's right here. Here it is. 
So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, for neither can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. He ends, thus you will recognize them by their fruits, but stay here for a minute with me. Because this is a really big deal and almost entirely ignored by those who want to use this passage for the false teaching of conditional love and self-improvement. Look, Jesus says, a good tree bears good fruit. It doesn't bear bad fruit. That's a statement of fact from Jesus, right? Isn't it? So, So if a good tree is one that is in Christ... If that could be said of you, then trusting him, Jesus says, I promise you good fruit will come. Why? Because you're a good good tree. If you're a good tree, you can't bear bad fruit. That's because God bears fruit through you. That's the whole idea, right? By the works of the law, nobody does good. That's the Bible. Anybody who says that to you is going against Jesus, and we want to focus on that last line. Boy, man, they get cut down and thrown into the fire. I want to watch out for that. Yeah, you do. By what? Trusting what Jesus says. It's absolutely crazy to me that people put their trust in Christ for salvation, for heaven, but then put all this weight on themselves for actually getting there. It's like, what, what, what are you? Like, I, I, you know, Jesus gave me the, the latent ability, but now it's up to me to use that latent ability to get to the place where I'm supposed to be. You think Jesus isn't going to get you all the way that you're supposed to be the whole way? When did he lose his ability to do that? Who is this Savior? You're like, man, I better bear from good fruit, or maybe he doesn't, I'm not really his, or I'm going to try and incorporate all these verses that are talking about being in Christ and receiving Christ and make them mean instead doing enough for Christ. That's a terrible place to go. Jesus says, that's false teachers. Run! I love this. This is from, from a, a pastor talking to his friend. It's not me, but I, I loved how he said, he says, if, if I were the devil... And I wanted people to believe that God's love for them is conditional. I wouldn't be blatant. I wouldn't be blatant. I wouldn't say, God's love for you is conditional. No, he wouldn't say that. He said, I would would lead to a preacher who's constantly asking, are you glorifying God in your prayer life? Who, who, is, who is persistently saying in your giving, persistent questions about your spiritual life and your performance and spend all their time thinking about themselves because you want to keep people's eyes on themselves. Push it away. You've got Jesus. It is finished is his cry, right? That's the whole idea. And you say, well, well, what am I supposed to do then, Dax? Are you telling me I've heard this and I'm a little scared of what you're saying? It sounds a lot like let go and let God heard that you will never let go and let god not not in any real sense of the word you're not supposed to sit like a couch potato it's not like that it's live right relaxing 
easing back on this anti-Christian idea that it's all about you. Let go. You'll have desires to bless others. You're living in a paradigm, what? That he bears fruit through you. And that means stuff you can't even necessarily see. But he's acting all the time. Why do I know that? Because he said he would. A good tree does what? Bears good fruit. Say, but I want to see it all. Too bad. Jesus doesn't let you do that. But he does promise you. And if he promises and he has the ability to make his promise happen, then what do I know about your life? You will bear good fruit. Take it in. That, that, that's what it means. That's what he's talking about. And I'm so aimed at personal perfection that we miss that Jesus is promising. So we swear at the driver on the highway and we miss that we are actually used by Jesus smiling to someone in the checkout stand and they took it home. Wow, somebody actually smiled at me today and they loved it and it was fruit. And, and you're like, oh, that's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing to you. But Jesus uses all sorts of stuff, doesn't he? I, see, my problem a lot of times is I don't, I don't want the little stuff. I want something big that everyone says, ooh, look what Dax did. So you all can say, what a wonderful person tax. That is garbage, right? That's Paul saying, man, I have nothing. Everything I count is good. I, it's rubbish. He needs that. And instead, all the things you're doing, us as a community, us trusting in one thing. What's our one hope? Jesus. He's got the power. Oh, dude, I hate that I say that. Because now I hear that in my head, the song, right? You've got the power. Oh, sorry. I'm getting old. I know that's an old one. This is the deal, right? You are not sitting like a lump on a log doing nothing, but you're living life connected to Jesus because he has connected you. You touch, you are forgiven, and it's real. You touch, there's no, no condemnation, and it's real. And it starts to affect you when it's real because you actually, and this is not like, oh, look and see if you're doing it. This is just what's real, right? It becomes real that there's no condemnation for you. Say, but you don't know my story, Dax. I know. I know Jesus' story for you. It's amazing. There's no condemnation for you. Wow! You can see when people teach something else. Don't take it in. That's what Jesus is saying, right? He's talking about the fruit of the works religion teachers. It doesn't lead to anything good. The most arrogant, whiny, unsustainable, difficult, bad stuff. Despair on the one hand. Arrogance on the other hand. Pride. When you think you're doing it. Look at all these people that aren't. Thank you, God, for not making me like these other fools. <gasps> I've heard that. Jesus condemns that very statement, right? The Pharisee going up to God and saying, thanks God for making me such a good person. No. It's a guy that says, has mercy on me, Jesus. I can't even lift my head to heaven. This is what we're after. This is the fruit Jesus is talking about. And the other, he's saying, get away. One of my favorite pastors says, enjoy the gift. There's an actual gift. It's landed on your lap. It's Jesus for you. You open it up. So, oh my, look what I have. And life is so short. It could be over tomorrow. Enjoy the gift. Okay, that's fruit. That's not all he talks about here. He also talks about works. Specifically about entering heaven. 
That's verse 21. Look at it with me. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Okay, there's another verse, isn't it? That is hugely twisted to go against the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you want to put them in context. You want to understand what Jesus is saying and walk through it. It's amazing. Jesus is clear, right? You don't get to heaven by your own plans. I mean, obviously, he's saying, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, they think they can get in by calling me Lord with their mouth. Uh Uh-oh. I say, Lord, Lord. Maybe I'm that guy. Maybe I'm not doing enough for Jesus. Are, Are you good enough? How's your prayer life? Oh, wait a minute. I know that can't be right because we just talked about how Jesus is pushing back against these false teachers. What, what is he talking about? Okay, look at it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I sense it's going to be very important that we do the will of the Father who's in heaven. So a secondary corollary to that, if you're a thinker like all of us are, smart people. We've got to go, what is the Father's will? (laughs) That'd be good to know. Like, oh, if you do the will of the Father in heaven, then you're going. And say, well, I better know what it is. What is it? Do you know what the will of the Father in heaven is? Well, it's definitely obey the Son, isn't it? I mean, I mean, what Jesus has been talking about throughout this entire sermon. Be crushed. See that you have no ability. See that what God loves to do is give favor in heaven to the spiritually bankrupt. That our Lord takes people who are lost and little and outcast. And he's the one who says, come to the feast. I receive all of that. I see I have no ability. I, I, that's repentance, right? I turn from my self-salvation project to say, oh, there's a savior and I've got him. I trust him. There's that. But, but here's a nice summary from the Bible, from Jesus. John 6, 29, you probably know it already, where Jesus is talking to the, the folks there about going to heaven. He says, well, this is the work of God. What do we need to do to be doing the works of God, they ask. This is the work of God. Here's the Father's will for you, that you, what? Believe in him who he sent not saying that you believe Jesus existed. He's not saying you believe there was a person named Jesus that, that God sent. He said, Jesus, right? The son of God who will take away the sins of the world. The, the, the lamb of God who's the sacrifice for everything. Who the forgiver forever. The one who promises eternal life to you. You, you trust him. That, that's our work. It's God's will that you trust Jesus. That means, when I say that, because it's been use so much people don't even know what you mean what do you mean believe what do you mean faith what do you mean trust you mean you're trusting him for something particular something that you would normally trust somebody else for so normally i trust myself for things i say no 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 you're going to trust jesus that's what he's talking about for salvation for life for for fruit for works right you're not going to rest on your works to get before God ever. I, I know you know this, but let me tell a silly, silly story. So, so a guy goes up to heaven and comes to the pearly gates, and there's St. Peter. 
St. Peter's like, what, what are you doing here? He says, well, I want to get in. He says, well, the guy goes, how do I get in? You need a thousand points. Have you heard this one? It's great. He says, you need a thousand points. He said, and then he says, well, I, okay, I'm sure I've got a, man, I look around this church, probably a thousand people, I'm better than I'm, I'm going to make this. He says, okay, I got it. What, what, let, me, let me give you. What I've done, he starts rattling off all the stuff that he's done, and it's great stuff. It's not little stuff. It's like, man, I came to church early every single Sunday for all of my life. I went twice a week and served the poor. I started a company, and, and, and we made $15, $15 billion. I gave it all away to Africa to help people know about Jesus. I did like, oh, I prayed like no one's ever prayed, faithfully. And I was married to my wife for 35 years. Oh, if you knew her. That kind of sums up everything I've done. Peter's like, that's fabulous. One point. One point. There's no way. God have mercy. Oh, yeah. That's exactly it. God have mercy in Christ. Right? That, that's, that's what we're after. That's what Jesus is saying. He, he's the one, always. You, you think... You think, well, you know, look at this, you know, not everyone says to me, Lord, Lord, the one who deals with the Father in heaven. You think, I, I don't present my works before God. I just trust Jesus. No. Many people, this is not, not the case. Especially people who are telling you, do more, try harder. Well, look, look what Jesus says, right? This is what he says here. On that day, verse 22, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Whoa. Don't skip over this. This is remarkable. We did mighty things, good things, prophesied in the name of Jesus, cast out demons, delivering people from bondage. He says, you're not fakery. I don't think they're lying to Jesus. Like, oh, we didn't do this. She's like, no, you didn't. No, Jesus doesn't say that. Powerful signs, right? I mean, a successful exorcism would make you a saint, right? Dude, you had the power to do these mighty things, and you did them. And not just did you did miraculous things that obviously showed that you were like superpower, but, but, but you did many mighty deeds, many good things in the name of Christ. Well beyond these. Jesus isn't saying these are bad things. He didn't say, oh yeah, those are evil. Done in the name of God. What's the problem with these people? They think that the mighty deeds qualify them. They are proof of the pudding. Right? It, it isn't that you can't do anything good. It's that we are prone, more than prone, we can't escape, that we believe we are doing God a solid. I really sacrificed for you, God. I really did it. Hey, you helped me. Thank you for the help. Thank you for the empowerment. And then I use that for good. 
That, that's the attitude. That's the thinking. So many are after mighty works for Jesus, faithful works for Jesus, worthy acts for God, and therefore you cannot escape this passage. The works are not the point. The quiet times and the service and the discipline is not the point. The people had them, and Jesus himself say, depart from me. Workers of lawlessness. Right? Because what? Because everybody's a worker of lawlessness. Haven't we been through the Sermon on the Mount? Do you believe the Sermon on the Mount? Isn't Jesus saying all the time, here's the law. Anytime that you're angry, you're a worker of lawlessness. Anytime that your left hand knows what your right hand is doing. Anytime you try salvation by reputation. Anytime that you try salvation by comparison. Anytime you're looking at other people saying, I'm a little bit better than them. Anytime you're judging, and you're a worker of lawlessness. You deserve hell. Well, I don't really deserve hell. I've got Jesus. No, 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 no. You deserve not to be in the presence of God because you are imperfect. And the whole statement of the Sermon on the Mount has been, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. If that's your presentation, if this is your approach, I'm going to be all I can be for God. I'm going to do and maximize myself, and I'm going to use the cross for it. And this is the goal that God has for me. And we'll call it Christ-likeness, because, because that's what people think Christ-likeness is, is more moral obedience and more goodness in yourself and a better, shinier you and polishing your mask. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. Jesus says, watch out. It's invitations to guilt. Are you glorifying God and what you're doing? They're dangerous because the answer ought to always be no. But the answer is so often, yeah. Or at least, I'm going to get there. And you run afoul of verses like this. This is Romans 3.20. It says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The works of the law, that sounds like, oh, that's like, what, sacrificing and stuff? No, that's your good deeds. All of them. All it does is show you you're imperfect or all it should do. Instead, we're using it. And we're actually allowing people to say the Bible is using it to say, look, you're good. No, Paul says, that's not the truth. The only plank I end up having is what? Does Jesus know me? Isn't that what he says? I never knew you. So, so, so again, the point becomes, does Jesus know you? Does he know you? You know what? He promises he does. He knows the lowly. He finds the lost. He is hope for the hopeless. He is sight for the blind. He is healing for the leper. He is strength for the weak. But you see, that means you're the one who is lowly and lost and hopeless and blind and unclean and weak. That's you. That's me. Say, well, I used to be, but I'm not anymore. Yet, no, you still are. As long as you're alive. Your hope is in the word and promise of Jesus to you. We don't, we don't get there by, by sinning less, by cleaning up, by not making ourselves, by making ourselves see, I mean, but by trusting that he is and he will 
and he promises to be ours forever. That's my hope. I hope it's yours. It's a totally radical different way. And, and thus, we do the works associated with the promise, right? If you get this promise, you say, well, well, don't you do some works? Yeah, because they flow out of our hope. We get baptized. We take communion. We encourage each other in the gospel. We're about forgiveness, not improvement. We're forgiven. I'm not shocked by your stuff. You're a human being. I bet mine's more than yours. That's the whole idea, right? Here's the biblical basis for some of this stuff. It looks like this. Not just that, we already look at it. For you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. You've died means there's nothing good in you left to do. And your life hidden in Christ means he's got you. Not just to get you to heaven after you die, but importantly, to get you through life now. That's amazing. So Jesus Christ speaks very strongly against the false teaching today. And it's teaching you might not find false until you're grasped by the gospel. Jesus lifts high the law for us, and that is so good. High, high up to the sky so you cannot jump it. We hold high the law. We don't lower it. We tell you, frankly and fully, you crash into it. It squeezes you, dear lemon. And what comes out is not pretty stuff. And that's the point. It's not that you shouldn't do the law. Oh, you should. The issue is you don't. And these false teachers come back to you and say, well, God's will is that you do. And his purpose is for you to accomplish. And in that obedience, law-keeping will be your salvation. God will be the little power source to make you a better you. And so you beat your head against the wall over and over, and you fail at it. And it is only Jesus here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount who speaks most strongly against that. False teachers say, do the law, and they are hypocrites. Nobody does. Give, says the pastor who flies around on airplanes. Avoid the love of money, says the one who runs multi-million dollar ministries with 500 million dollar places of worship. Pray more, says the one struggling to pray. Faith heals, says the one who will die. The arrogance of be like me when they're succeeding in life, and and, and then you have despair when your life doesn't look like theirs. Run away. And I'm being silly and bold and stupid, but I'm telling you, I don't know how long I get to live. It's serious. This is your life. Jesus says, look at the fruit of that. It is hypocrisy. And instead, look at me. Promise, right? Forgiveness. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. There's rest for your souls because what I want for you is to trust that I've done it for you. Receive me. Not just some flash of, okay, I want to get to heaven. I'll pray a prayer. No, but I have your life. You are in me. You will bear fruit. You might not know it. You might not see it, but you will. Trust me. I got trust that too. Conditional works get you nowhere. Proving to God gets you nowhere. He's already done it for you. You got to break the paradigm. Jesus says he's tossed the account ledgers. You cannot understand, Jesus says, how I'm using you. But I'm telling you, you're bearing good fruit. 
Relax into me because I actually do have you and hold you and don't let you go. My father wants to give you the kingdom. I mean, this still remains true. I'm putting it up again. It is. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It is not to get the kingdom earned through you. The world and the flesh and the devil will pull this from you in Christian clothing, sheep's clothing. They'll say, do more, try harder. God's plan is to make you like him, be like Jesus. And Jesus cast out demons. And Jesus prophesied. And Jesus did mighty works. And Jesus prayed all night. And Jesus knew his Bible. And so you're expected to do and climb and accomplish. And it is a dead end. Not because doing all that stuff is wrong. It's amazing. but because it puts your confidence and your assurance on you instead of on Jesus and what he's done for you. He's done everything. You stand up and you say, I I trust it, it is finished. He said it with a single word on the cross, right? My confidence is in Jesus. I, I trust that he has me now and forever. I remain without hope in me, but with enormous hope for me and for you. I'm dead, but Jesus is alive and he raises the dead. Because it's true, we will bear good fruit, we will do all he has for us, faith works and God works, and this is not my word, it's the word of our Savior, Jesus Christ, for you. Sermon on the Mount, in your face. Wow. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what you promise us. We don't deserve it even for a second. Oh Lord, forgive us that we're willing to use you as a safety float to be in heaven but we don't trust you with this life lord we want to we pray for your holy spirit to free us to to trust you to trust that you have us every moment in our failures to let us forgive to be a people who are real and lord we just are so amazed that you do those things for us we thank you jesus In your name we pray. Amen.